Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I will give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Richard Riemann. He has narrated and published hundreds of indie-published audiobooks, and his current project includes making the original 1929 Winnie the Pooh book accessible for blind and deaf children. So he's going to talk a little bit about himself and kind of getting into these this career and his current project and what's upcoming. So I'm excited to talk to him today. So Richard, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your life? Well, thank you, Sarah. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, I've been in front of a microphone for about uh, 50 years of my life. Um, bottom line is I started as a teenager um, in radio, uh, radio news in college. And um, because there were anti-war riots at that time, Vietnam, dating myself, uh, going on, I was inside the ROTC building, which was under attack by the students. And I called WLS up in Chicago and said, uh, look, um, you know, they're throwing rocks through the windows. Uh, would you like anything on this? And the guy at the other end says, we're rolling, kid. And, uh, you know, that's the sound of a rock going through the window on my left. That's the sound of a rock going through a window on my right. There's one window left. I'm standing in front of it. I'll have to call you back. Because these were the days when before cell phones. So they remembered me as the kid from Southern Illinois University, SIU. And they hired me when I was 19 years old uh, to start as a news writer in Chicago. That's how I got my big break, uh, which led to many years as a news director in Chicago radio. Uh, and then uh, a news anchor at RKO Radio in New York. Uh, Washington bureau chief for RKO, covered uh, both the Reagan and the first George Bush presidencies, and flew around the world with the presidents as part of the press corps. So that was an exciting part of my life. And I was always comfortable in front of a microphone telling stories. So I made a natural transition to become an audiobook narrator. I mean, I'm a ham. Uh, I, I used to read to my kids and do voices and, and, uh, you know, used to be on stage and plays in high school and college. And I said, why not have fun, not just read the news. So I became the audiobook wizard. Uh, that's the moniker I've used for a while. It, because, uh, I was able to do the audiobook wizard voice in a couple of video games as well as a couple of, uh, of books. And, you know, it took it right from Ollivander's wand shop, uh, Harry Potter. Harry, so good to see you, Harry. You know, I gave your parents their wands. And so <laughs> I turned uh, doing voices into uh, to a career as an, as an audiobook narrator. And the latest thing I'm up to is I founded a nonprofit to fill a void in the audiobook world, and that is children's picture books. Don't make great audiobooks because you can't see the pictures. Well, I happen to have a lot of blind friends. I used to be a, a ski guide for blind skiers. 
I um, was a volunteer for Learning Ally, uh, reading um, books for the blind. And they all said they'd wished when they grew up that they had had the pictures described. Well, audio description is very big right now in movies and in uh, uh, theater, live theater, um, just adding that touch of describing what's going on. And I thought, why don't we add that to children's illustrated books? And so I created imagination video books and illustrated audio books. And that's a nonprofit that I'm running now. So quite the career that you've had. And I think anyone listening, just like the first words that came out of your mouth, it's like, oh, goodness, this voice is definitely made for audiobooks. So I definitely want to talk about like what you're currently working on. But I do before that want to hear about uh being with the press and flying around the world uh, with the various presidential tours. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Just typically one one trip with President Ronald Reagan at the time. Um, I was on the press plane, uh, not, uh, not on Air Force One. So we were following him. And just in one trip, we went from D.C. to L.A. to Honolulu, to Bali, Indonesia, to Tokyo, Japan, to Seoul, South Korea, and then refueled in Alaska on the way back. We spent 44 hours in the air. And one little thing happened while we were in Tokyo. Um, Chernobyl exploded. So all of a sudden, as you might imagine, um, you know, it was a Tremendous story because at first no one knew how serious it was going to be. A nuclear plant explosion? Is this going to have a nuclear radioactive cloud going across America eventually? I mean, there was a lot of, of panic at that time. So I spent a lot of time on the air just reassuring uh, people uh, from what I was hearing from the president and his staff that um, even though it wasn't totally contained, uh, that it would not be, um, you know, a radioactive cloud that would affect uh, Americans, because that's what the experts were saying turned out to be true. Um, so, you know, what a crazy, uh, just one trip that I took with the president, how, how crazy that was. And so then you talked a little bit about making the transition out of news into audiobooks. So, what was that exactly like? And what were you like, what was changing in your life to make that switch? Well, it was a forced transition. Uh, radio news in America changed when the FCC deregulated radio. And what that means is that radio stations no longer had to do news, no longer had to do public affairs programming on the weekends. Uh, even though they were licensed by the federal government, the federal government, ironically, under Ronald Reagan, uh, decided to open things up uh, more for the radio stations where they didn't have to carry news in between all the music. And when that happened, about 80% of the radio news jobs in America went away. Um, all the news started to be syndicated or, um, you know, the, the news person is the sidekick in the morning show. 
uh, instead of, you know, news staffs at music stations where we would cover City Hall and be local news reporters. Well, that all kind of went away. You had an all news station and PR station, and that was pretty much it uh, as far as real news on the hour type radio stations. And at that time, I was a little overqualified to just go back and, and be a news anchor at a local radio station because all the news directors were worried that I would take their job. Uh, so it was, <laughs> it was kind of a, a force my hand to find uh, something else. And that's when I said, okay, you know, I, I can do voices for, for audio books you know, if there's an Irish character, I can do an Irish character. And if it's German, I can handle the German character or a, a Russian character. I mean, bottom line is I thought this would be a way um, to, uh, you know, sit in front of a microphone, just talk to tell a story to the person at the other end. And across all genres, I did horror, I did uh, children's books, I did uh, fantasy, um, you name it. And uh, it, it, so I've been doing that for about 12 years now and uh, also producing audiobooks for other authors uh, who want to either have a narrator or narrate it themselves. And what is that industry like to work with audiobooks? Well, audiobook narrators are, are, are great. I mean, there are a lot of characters out there. And, you know, it's funny because so many people who are shy uh, or introverts become actors because it helps them get out of themselves and, and, Pretend to be even somebody else sometimes uh, helps. Uh, and it helped me because I was kind of shy as a kid. But getting up on stage and, and uh, having to be a character, um, you know, a grandpa, and, and as you like it, the, uh, um, it, it opened up, you know, a new world for me. Um, and, and so the audiobook industry has been exploding. It's been growing, oh, about 30% every year for the past almost five years and especially during the pandemic people are listening to more audiobooks uh, because it's not just in the car anymore they're listening on their phones they're listening uh, alexa siri uh, devices um, so it's gone far beyond just playing an audiobook when you're commuting and so what has been your favorite genre or favorite book to record for? Ooh, yeah. Which is your favorite child? Um, the, uh, <laughs> it's a tough question. I don't know. I have such fun. Um, the, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. okay. One of them was the incurables and the main character, uh, was a disgraced uh, surgeon, a real story in the 1950s, who went out around the country performing lobotomies at carnivals. Uh, and if I may, Hello, I'm Dr. Walter Freeman, and I perform what's known as a transorbital lobotomy using a nice pick and a hammer. But don't worry, it doesn't hurt at all. And you'll feel so much better. 
after. So that was just one of the characters I got to do in that book. Uh, and it was just so much fun to, uh, to be in a horror, you know, novel. Um, so that's, that's one of my favorites. I'm just here silently laughing because as someone who does not like horror books, I'm like, oh, you know, when he talks, it sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, everything, uh, and doing, a um, eight year old boy lost in a haunted furniture store. Did that chair just talk to me? So it's, uh, you know, you get a wide variety of characters uh, to do um, because you can, you're doing a, a, a one man uh, act uh, where you're the men, the women, the aliens, the dogs, they're all, <laughs> you're voicing all of them. And uh, it, it's just a, a great industry to be part of. When did you first realize that you could do so many different voices? I don't know. I guess it was, you know, uh, just like I said, reading to my kids and, and being, you know, uh, if you needed Mickey, ha ha, come on, come on, Minnie, let's go have some fun. I don't know. It sounds a little goofy to me. <laughs> I mean, it just uh, <laughs> came naturally, I guess. And I've been told that I have a good voice naturally, too. So that helps. Um but, you know, I, I wanted to do more than just nonfiction and business books and, you know, sound like a doctor and, and things like that. And, and, uh, and now doing children's books, um, it's amazing. Um, we are producing at our nonprofit, as you mentioned, uh, the first accessible version of Winnie the Pooh. And the original book written in the 20s has now gone into the public domain, which means we don't have to worry about the rights as long as we use the characters from that book and the pictures from that book. And we can do impressions of the voices uh, because uh, that's allowed. So we're not running into trouble with the mouse. And um, we are doing uh, what we call accessible version, which means... We do audio description of the pictures so people really know what's going on, what Pooh is doing with Piglet, you know, that Pooh and Piglet are stacking blocks or, or Pooh is holding the ladder while Piglet uh, reaches up to grab a, a pear from the tree. Um, so we can describe in detail uh, what these images are of characters and just bring a different experience to all children. Um, specifically blind and, and low vision children, uh, give them a chance to experience illustrated books. But, you know, and, and of course, I am the narrator. Once upon a time in the Hundred Acre Wood, a long, long time ago, about last Friday, Winnie the Pooh was walking through the forest. So, so yes. Uh, and we have Johnny Heller, who is one of the top uh, children's book narrators in the country. He's won every award you can win. He's done hundreds of children's uh, books, and he just does a wonderful Winnie the Pooh. Um, plus, half our cast are blind themselves because we're employing blind and low vision voice actors to be part of what we're doing 
for the blind and actually deaf communities. Um, we add American Sign Language interpretation to our videos. So we have uh, something for deaf children just learning ASL uh, to have children's books where they can see the pictures, they can see the captions, they can see the ASL interpretation going on for them. So we're reaching both the blind and deaf communities. And when you talk about the audio description, like the first time you introduce a character, is that included in a description, like describing what does Pooh look like? What does Piglet look like? Absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, the, the tubby little cubby, all stuffed with fluff, um, you know, and, and uh, th the funny thing is that, that um, in, in the original book, Pooh is not wearing the red shirt. So we can't, we, ha we have to have the naked Pooh as we call him. Uh, he, he's the only one we're allowed to show pictures of. And uh, yeah, we describe all the characters in detail and everything that's happening you know, with them. And uh, everybody has a, you know, a different spin on the voice of Piglet. And then there's Eeyore. Oh dear. Oh my. Um, and, uh, but the funny thing is, there's no Tigger because Tigger doesn't appear until the second book, um, The House on Pooh Corner, which came out like two years later, is not in the public domain yet. So what a thing about Tigger. Tigger's a wonderful thing. <laughs> he won't be in the first book because, um, you know, uh, of the, the rights issues, the copyright issues. So poor Tigger is on the sidelines for this one. But we do have... Pooh and Kanga and Roo and uh, Rabbit and uh, Eeyore and, and Piglet. And so we got, you know, tons of characters, all, you know, a, a little bit different, um, which I think is why the book has appealed to so many people, because they're all kind of, you know, they each have their issues. Uh, some have trouble reading, some have trouble, you know, some are shy, some are are, you know, just uh, uh, ADHD like Tigger. The, uh, so it's, uh, uh, it's not a bunch of little superheroes. It's a bunch of relatable characters. And I think that's why the book has lasted uh, from the 1920s until, you know, 100 years later. So you mentioned that you're hiring blind and low vision actors and you've got the voices, you've got the descriptions. What is it that everyone does to make this project happen? Well, the uh, we, of course, have to make our scripts accessible for our blind actors. Um, we uh, Children's books have a lot of pictures where the text is embedded in the picture. So it's unreadable by the devices that blind people use to talk to them. Um, so they can't get the text. So we provide a full text transcript that they can read um, of, of these books. And we're not talking about beginning voice actors. A lot of our voice actors, and we have over a dozen that are, are visually challenged, um, are award-winning uh, actors. You would never know it. 
Just Chris Snyder, who is our audio producer, our executive producer for Imagination Video Books, and also uh, a narrator himself, he does the audio description for um, The Good Doctor, uh, The Goldbergs, uh, a, a dozen different TV shows. He is the voice uh, describing what's going on in between the dialogue. And what's great about what we do is we have the freedom to do extended description. We're just not trying to jam in words, description quickly in between the dialogue. Um, so it can be a much richer experience. But yes, we have a project to hire as many uh, blind and low vision act actors as possible and give them a pathway to join the sag after union so they can get uh, health and pension benefits. Um, there's a lot of unemployment in the blind community, and this is a way to give them a chance to, uh, to really uh, show off their talent um, and, and uh, also earn a living. And that's like horrible that they have an uh, issue finding jobs and being unemployed, but great that you are providing this service for them and then for people like them, you know, you mentioned how you'd worked with the skiers and they're like, this is what we would have wanted when we were children. And now here you are doing that for them. Yeah, we've had some, some of our narrators have broken down in tears. Um, just, they're just so happy to be part of this project where we are. We've created so far over 100 audiobooks and video books uh, made accessible and uh, for children ages three to eight and everything is free. We distribute it on uh, the described and captioned media program at dcmp.org. We also distribute it. We do a podcast, a weekly podcast. It's uh, the audiobook wizard presents illustrated audiobooks. Yeah. You never guess who that is. Um, the, uh, as the host and, we, uh, we have the podcast available on Spotify and everywhere. Just, just look up Audiobook Wizard or Illustrated Audiobooks and you can find it where we just, you know, have the stories uh, in audio with audio description of picture books. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, you know, we're um, happy that we're expanding the number of books that we're able to do. Uh, we're approaching all the major publishers. You know, uh, knock, knock, scholastic, uh, excuse me, uh, all your picture books should be accessible. Uh, so we're uh, moving in that direction. And we also have the right uh, under the Marrakesh International Treaty uh, to make things more accessible for the blind and U.S. copyright law that as long as we're not selling our copies of what we're producing, we can do any book. In fact, we are doing Goodnight Moon at the moment. We're doing the accessible version of Goodnight Moon, one of the classics. And we're also going to do, you know, Corduroy and, and a whole bunch of the, uh, the, the top 10 children's books out there. Um, because, you know, as long as we're not selling it, making a profit, we're a nonprofit, um, we can produce some of the classic books too. So why then with Winnie the Pooh did you have to wait until it went into public domain? 
Well, Winnie the Pooh is very sticky because of Disney's involvement. Um, they really, understandably, want to protect the copyrights, um, you know, the critical copyrights they have. So it was much easier for us to go out there, uh, since this is, it's a, it's a two and a half hour long production. It's like producing a movie um, that uh, we wanted to make absolutely sure we were not going to run into any legal issues. And that's why when it went into the public domain in January, we thought, ah, perfect timing. Now we have the freedom to do what we want with the first book and the pictures in it. And so is that typically how long a picture book turns into, a full two and a half hours? No, no. Most picture books are 15 minutes or less. <laughs> and that is why a lot of the audiobook publishers have not made them into audiobooks. Because people, like on Audible, they use credits, monthly credits, for to buy a, an audiobook. Well, they don't want to spend it on a 15-minute book. They want to spend it on a 12-hour book. Um, but what I'm promoting is doing anthologies, uh, either by the same books by the same author or books uh, uh, on the same theme. So you can have like eight of these books put together as one big audiobook that all children can listen to uh, anywhere they are. And it'll make sense because we're describing all the pictures. That's it sounds like they should be all for it. <laughs> I hope so. And uh, we're, we're going to be pushing hard in the coming uh, year. We've only been at this one year. So we're a brand new nonprofit doing something completely differently. And if I may talk about the, the Kickstarter that, we're, that we have coming up, um, for the first time, we're not taking donations. We're taking pledges and giving rewards through the Kickstarter crowdfunding platform. We will have Winnie the Pooh doing a personalized birthday wish for you. Or uh, we, we actually have it where we're going to put, we could put you or, you know, your, your loved ones in a story featuring Winnie the Pooh, where the narrator includes you in the story. You know, uh, Sarah would be one of the people going to rescue uh, poo when he got stuck in in rabbit's uh, hole. Um, so so all of a sudden you become part of the story and I, as the narrator, just add you in. And Sarah and Christopher Robin pulled and pulled. So, you know, it just, so we're doing these little special things uh, to make it um, possible for us to raise the money to cover the costs of putting the book in video, putting the book in audio, Putting the book in Braille, uh, we also, we add a Braille version um, to what we do. Um, putting the book out as a paperback with accessible uh, descriptions, with you know basically what you'd consider all text for all the pictures, and uh, as an ebook too, uh, to go out and and reach every um, you know blind kid and every kid who who just loves Winnie the Pooh. And so where will people be able to get all these versions of Winnie the Pooh when it is finalized? Just go to Kickstarter. We start on May 3rd. It runs through June 4th. And it's the Winnie the Pooh Project. So if you put in the Winnie the Pooh Project, that will take you right to the Kickstarter that, uh, that we are uh, 
going to be running, uh, but not until May 3rd. So that's, uh, that's a critical thing is that it'll be in preview until then. You can't uh, pledge money, but, um, you know, we have, um, we have an option in there for authors. If they would like their book to be made accessible, uh, we will do the audio version, the video version. We'll create an audio book for them. They can put on Audible and earn royalties and sell it. Um, and, and, you know, the whole package, basically. So uh, if children's book authors are listening, just go to the Winnie the Pooh Project or follow us at imaginationvideobooks.org, which is our website. And remember, it's .org because we're a nonprofit. And what was it like first setting up a nonprofit? Uh, yeah, that was that was fun. I had never done that before. Um, so I decided I needed professional help in many areas, but especially with the uh, creating a nonprofit that, um, you know, I went to one of the organizations that helps create uh, smaller nonprofits to get off the ground. And it, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, there's a lot of hoops you have to go through. And this was right as COVID was, was happening. And so I was trying to, you know, get this created so we could launch when the world got back to semi-normal, uh, which we did last January. Um, but it was, uh, it was amazing because we launched with about 10 books and immediately won um, a special recognition award from the American Council of the Blind for uh, contributions to blind children. Um, so we knew we were on the right track. The Nora Roberts Foundation, she's a romance writer, a very famous romance writer. She has a foundation. She gave us a grant. The National Association of the Deaf, when they saw we were adding sign language uh, to the books, has also given us a grant so we don't have to pay for the creation of the sign language and pay the, uh, the interpreters. Um, well, we you know, are able to use the funds that they gave us to pay the interpreters. So um, it, it's just really taken off. We've gotten a lot of media coverage, especially I'm based in Denver. Uh, Denver TV stations, the Colorado Parent Magazine. Uh, so we've gotten a lot of legitimacy from the press coverage. That's truly great. Now, do you want to go into a little bit more detail and about what this whole descriptive audio really means and, and provide an example for the listeners? Yes, because it's so much easier to hear it and see it when you can than it is to describe it. Audio description is an art because you're not interpreting the pictures. You're describing them as vividly as you can. And what I'd like to do is play just a couple of minutes sample of what it means the difference between somebody just reading a book out loud nicely, and when we add audio description, and you will see how it changes things into a completely different experience. Here's an example of before. One page taken from If I Were Your Angel, narrated by Michelle Moras as a simple read-along. 
If I were your angel, I'd use my harp to strum you notes both flat and sharp. Fill your ears with joyful song so you can clap and sing along. Now here's the after. We add audio description of the pictures for blind children, captions, and simultaneous American Sign Language interpretation for deaf children. The after is a different experience. If I were your angel, I'd use my harp to strum notes both flat and sharp. Fill your ears with joyful song so you can clap and sing along. Birds soar above pink-tinged clouds. Music staffs with notes on them float like ribbons in the sky. Seated on a fluffy cloud, a girl reaches out to a bird as it flies past through the blue expanse, chasing a stray note. So you can see the difference between the description of just one picture of a book with the added audio description. It makes it so vivid for people who can see uh, as well as uh, the blind and uh, low vision community. So that's why I think in the future uh, we're going to push to make all children's illustrated books accessible in audio and in video. And I think it's truly something that everyone can appreciate, as you just said. Now, what do you think, um, like thinking like public libraries or, you know, people with young children, um, what do you think that if people want to share or like utilize, you know, like story time in a children's department, what is the best way to incorporate the work that you're doing or similar ideas in their work? Well, you know, first we have the free podcast, so that's available to everyone. Um, and once again, it's the audiobook wizard presents illustrated audiobooks. And so we have one new book a week that's available. We are producing audiobook versions of our books uh, through Findaway, which is the, uh, a distributor, and they're making the books available in audio uh, book format to library catalogs, uh, to all of the major retailers like Walmart and uh, Target, um, to small bookstores. Um, they can, through Libro FM is what it's called, um, you can buy an accessible audiobook. And what you look for on the cover are the two letters AD with basically the sound waves around them. And that is the universal uh, symbol for audio description. And that will tell you which of the children's illustrated books are audio described. That's truly great that you are pushing out to so many audiences and in, in different ways to really be able to kind of help everyone. Well, it's... When you think of how things done for um, the disabled community, uh, ramps being put in, um, you know, sidewalk cuts, everybody ends up benefiting from those things. 
And that's the same thing with audio description and audiobooks. All children can benefit by getting, you know, if their parents can't read them, the children's books, um, this is an, a way for them to hear it on the phone, uh, through a computer, uh, through an iPad. Basically, they can play these pleasant stories, a lot of them featuring children with differences and, uh, you know, that pointing out that all children are able, no matter what. We've done books uh, about uh, children with uh, sensory processing disorder and uh, all sorts of, you know, deafness, blindness, all sorts of challenges um, to normalize the fact that, hey, you know, kids like this exist out there. You may not have met one yet, but, you know, here are some stories that, that involve them. Um, and, and as silly as a book we have called Wilhelmina's Wish about a fairy who has a unibrow. And that's her difference is that she has this big, thick unibrow that she hates and she wishes that she can get rid of it. And she gets one wish and she has to decide whether she's going to use that wish to get rid of her unibrow or to help her friend, Owl, who's blind. And I think you know what decision she makes. That's truly wonderful. So now you've talked a little bit about some things for the future. What is it that you hope for your nonprofit and for you personally in the years to come? Well, um, I am really on that mission to uh, talk to the big audiobook publishers about making their children's picture books accessible, to make sure that children's book publishers medium-sized ones, uh, offer accessibility to their authors saying, okay, for X dollars more, we can hire imagination video books to make an accessible version of your book that you can sell as an audio book and make the royalties and also have done a good thing. Um, so that is what we're really building up to now. Uh, one of our board members um, is the former president of the Audio Publishers Association. And she worked, Linda Lee, worked at the um, uh, both uh, Scholastic and Weston Woods, their children's book division, for over 20 years. So she's pretty well connected in the industry. And she is taking up our flag and, and saying, all children's books should be accessible to all children. And that's what we're hoping for in the coming year. We also are going to add books in Spanish, uh, our third language after English and sign. It will be Spanish uh, because there's really hardly any books out there. And what's critically important that people don't understand is that Braille is not being taught as, as it used to be. Only 10% of school children right now are learning Braille because it's kind of a dying art. Audio is replacing uh, the need for the Braille dots in many, many cases. Not every case at all yet, but like an elevator talks to you instead of just having to feel the dots to see what floor it is, it tells you third floor. Um, so accessibility is coming in voice and 
everything can be read out loud on devices. So it's, um, it's kind of a dying art of Braille. But that means that, you know, children don't have access to the books in Braille who do know Braille because they're just not making as many anymore. Well, this way, we have it so you can download the Braille file uh, for children who still want to have it read to them uh, in, in, by their Braille reader, uh, where they listen about five times as fast as normal human speech, uh, <laughs> which is typically what, uh, what, what uh, the blind do is, uh, you know, they, uh, they can comprehend things much faster. Uh, although we we like real time because you know when we we try to be actors and it it's, it's a little better than when when everybody sounds like Mickey Mouse, so um, but it's very important for us to get into the digital world right now with these children's illustrated books. And I think you know you've got this great vision and some great people behind you that. It can it can only grow. Yes, and and you know we have that project to hire uh, blind and low vision uh, narrators, because not every person who you describe as blind is totally blind. In fact, about ninety percent have some vision. Um, so, you know, unlike Chris Snyder, who I mentioned before, who was totally blind from birth, um, that's why these books are great of videos especially, where they can see the pictures being displayed and they're static. So it's not like animation where it's flying by and they hear the description of everything in that picture. Um, and it goes at a nice pace for them. And that's what I think makes our books a little magical. Definitely. It's, it all just, it all sounds so magical. Now, because we've been focusing so much on your work, is there anything you would like to share with the listeners about yourself? Well, let's see. Um, ironically, um, I'm going blind. Uh, I have um, glaucoma, um, and uh, I'm lucky that it's progressing very slowly, but I'm having surgery on my eyes uh, in a few weeks to relieve the pressure. And I didn't know this when I started the nonprofit. So I've just been recently diagnosed. So, you know, how strange life is, how, you know, that, that this is happening to me. I mean, it may take 10, 20 years before I would totally lose my vision, but um, still it's something now I'm part of the community that I set out to help. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, uh, at this point in my life, you know, a lot of people are retired at my age, but to do a legacy project, something that we, you know, will leave behind us, um, that will affect so many children in the future just gives me joy every day. That's, I, I don't know the words to say, to hear, hear that, you know, you, you started this big project to help blind people, low vision, you know, and now here you are with glaucoma, uh, fighting, fighting through the days and, and seeing what happens. Yeah, it's, uh, and, 
Yeah, I don't want to make a, a, a huge deal out of it because I have, you know, worked with so many and still work with so many uh, people who are, are blind or, or low vision who have challenges every day. Um, and, you know, challenges getting a, a guide dog, seeing eye dogs are, you know, very expensive to train. And there are many more people wishing they would have one than have dogs available. So if people want to support the Seeing Eye Dog Foundation, uh, please do that too, um, because there's a big need. Now I've got to ask, do you listen to audiobooks? Of course. I, uh, besides the ones we produce... Um, yes. I mean, I, I, I do listen like any road trip I'm on. It's, uh, you know, listening to like, as you were, um, uh, the, uh, the one about princess bride, uh, as you wish, excuse me, uh, by, uh, the guy who starred in princess bride telling funny stories about the production. Um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of autobiographies and, um, right now I'm listening to, um, uh, all the world that, uh, you cannot see, um, basically a, a Pulitzer prize winning novel. Um, the, um, because, uh, the actress, uh, who is, it's actually all the light we cannot see. Um, and the book I'm reading, uh, as well as listening to the audiobook version, the actress who is going to play the star of that in the Netflix series this fall um, is going to be Dorothy in the wonderful Wizard of Oz version that we're producing, accessible version. So we're getting a, a, a soon-to-be-famous Hollywood actress who is blind, uh, will be our Dorothy, and we're going to have an all-blind cast. Everybody, you know, the, the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion and the Wizard all of those characters will be played by blind voice actors. That's awesome. Now, I do want to ask, because you just mentioned you are both reading and listening to that book. So what is it like to do to do both at the same time? Like what sort of what is your experiential differences? Well, I, I cheat. I, I use Amazon's WhisperSync, which basically you can read the digital version and if you have the audiobook version for a few dollars more, it picks up where you left off in one or the other. So when you're listening to the audiobook, it knows where you stopped because it's all digital bits and bytes. And you can pick up the, uh, the you know, start having the, the ebook and you can have it read to you in a robot voice, but we're not thrilled about robot voices, uh, synthetic voices. Um, but uh, I much prefer listening to the actors in the audiobook versions. And I think most people would say that, but you can go back and forth. So I'm reading, um, with big print and then, um, you know, going over to the, uh, to the audiobook version. Very cool. Now, before I start to wrap things up, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? I think one of the most important things everyone can do in life is read to their children. Um, I don't want that to be a lost art. We are all so busy these days um, that sometimes just taking a real book 
And instead of plunking your kid in front of the TV, um, read to them. Uh, bring them into new worlds, especially at the ages of three to five, sometimes before they're in school or preschool. That is critically important to have children know that there are these amazing worlds out there. And, you know, to, to basically have a parent read to them uh, is, is so, so valuable. I, I think uh, that was, that's what I'd like to leave you with. Well, I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. Now, before I wrap things up, I do always ask a random question. So my question for you is, what is something that's happened in your life recently that has made you still feel young? <laughs> Uh, well, let's see now, uh, <laughs> the, uh, cause even when I get older, I'm going to be able to imitate my voice as younger. So I, uh, it'll be okay. Um, <laughs> what, um, I went to, uh, a, a business event, uh, where, um, basically they had a, a, a oldies rock and roll band. And I got out there on the dance floor and uh, just let go. And, you know, these, these, most of the audience, you know, is, is uh, the older crowd, let's say, the senior crowd. And it was just so much fun watching people. Uh, it was actually a costume thing. People dressed up, for, uh, you know, from the 50s and 60s. And uh, it was just, uh, just a wonderful way uh, to experience the music and have fun. All right, that brings this episode to a close. So Richard has mentioned lots of great things throughout this episode, so I'll make sure to leave all of those links in the description, but specifically I'll be highlighting that Kickstarter campaign that will be launching soon. So definitely go check that out and support their Winnie the Pooh campaign. And of course the website to the nonprofit, imaginationvideobooks.org. And if you sign up for their a free online subscription uh, email newsletter, you'll, you'll get a little bonus. So definitely go check that out and all of the great things that he is doing. And of course, if you would like to connect with the podcast, our website is in the description as well. That brings you to all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. It brings you to all of our past episodes, all the past resources and connections with past guests along with the text version of all of these episodes and the YouTube links if you'd like to watch the text while listening. So feel free to go and share this episode out and like those pages for the podcast and for Richard's nonprofit. So thank you so much, Richard, for spending time with me today and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next time, bye. Thank you so much, Sarah. And as Christopher Robin would say, silly old bear.